Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do. Like me, taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. There, it's Gary Parrish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, leaky black. Eye on College Basketball Podcast is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Matt Norlander is on a uh, much-deserved weekend getaway. It's David Cobbs here with me. If you're watching on YouTube, smash the like button like your Brandon Davies. You have consent. Don't forget while you're here to also subscribe to the CBS Sports College Basketball YouTube channel. Let's get into it. The most interesting game on Thursday. Thursday night schedule was uh, probably Colorado at Arizona. Then it tipped off, quickly became uninteresting. Final score, Arizona 97, Colorado 50. That performance pushed Arizona up to number three at Kempom. Wildcats are at least 21 spots higher than every other Pac-12 school. So, David Cobb, here's my first question for you. Do you agree that Arizona is going to win the Pac-12? And if so, do you also agree that Arizona will win its league by more games than any other power conference champion wins its league. Hey, Gary, how are you doing? Wonderful. How are you? Good. Uh, yeah, I do believe Arizona wins their conference by more than any other power conference champion simply because there is zero resistance. Like, I understand Purdue could end up in that conversation because they could run away with the Big Ten, but who is even going to be competitive against Arizona outside of? an anomaly where Stanford hit 16 out of 25 three-pointers, which is what happened in Arizona's loss the other day. I don't think that's going to happen again in Pac-12 play. Uh, So I see Arizona winning the Pac-12 by at least three games. And uh, yeah, Purdue could theoretically do that in the Big Ten as well, but uh, that's less likely due to the fact that there is at least some legitimate competition in that league. Yeah, I don't think there's a team in the Pac-12 that if Arizona plays well can beat Arizona. Like, like, like you said, Stanford got them, but that was a, a, a total outlier performance. I, I really do think they're just going to run away with this thing. Arizona, the updated numbers, 11-3 and three overall. Just 3-3 three and three in the past six, but, you know, the losses are to Purdue, FAU, and at Stanford when Stanford shot the ball incredibly well. Uh, they do have four quadrant one wins, a win at Duke, Michigan State on a neutral, beat Wisconsin, and then beat Alabama on a neutral so for what it's worth, Kim Palm right now has Arizona winning the Pac-12, like you said, by by three games. It's If you go through the other power conferences, Kim Palm right now has Houston winning the Big 12 by two games. 
Purdue winning the Big Ten by one game, and then they got co-champs in the SEC, Alabama, Tennessee, Auburn, co-champs in the Big East, UConn, Marquette, co-champs in the ACC, Duke, UNC. Would you move off of any of those? Kentucky would be an obviously uh, obvious uh, candidate in the SEC to compete with Alabama, Tennessee, Auburn um, for a championship in, in that league. You see anything else you'd take issue with there? So you're telling me Ken Palm has Houston and not Kansas winning the Big 12? By multiple games. Yeah, I don't buy that. I think Kansas wins the Big 12 over Houston. It's Houston's first time. Houston is a classic computer tricker at the moment, Gary. Because have you, have you seen like how light their schedule is? I'll pull it up and, and let you know exactly where Ken Palm ranks uh, Houston's non-conference schedule. But it's been super light. And I understand why. Because Kelvin Sampson is saying, hey, we're transitioning from the AAC to the Big 12, which is the toughest conference in college basketball. So let's take it a little bit easy on ourselves before we get into that meat grinder. Uh, but I think that has allowed them to trick the computers. Okay, so, so get this. Uh, Houston right now is allowing fewer points per game than any team in the country. They're allowing 49.4 points per game. The next closest team in college basketball is allowing 55 points per game. So they're like five or six points ahead of the, the second best defense in college basketball. And that's largely due to the level of competition that they played. So I, I'm a firm believer that, that Houston is going to lose a handful of games uh, in, in the Big 12 because of how difficult it is and because of how unaccustomed that program is to a night-in, night-out, drag-out fight like, like they're going to face. Every once in a while, somebody will ask me, why do you have Houston ranked so high? They haven't beat anybody. Well, that's not technically true. I mean, they beat Texas A&M. That's a, a nice win. But they certainly haven't challenged themselves in the non-league portion of the schedule, which um, I understand. And it's for exactly the reason you laid out. Like when you are transitioning in, into a league, upgrading from the AAC to the Big 12, I can understand why a new coach in that league might be hesitant to load up in the non-league because you know you're going to be loaded up once conference uh, season starts. So we'll find out everything we need to know uh, about Houston in the in the coming weeks, whether the Cougars are actually computer trickers or not. But right now, they are first at Ken Palm, um, 14 spots ahead of Kansas. And I know you disagree with this. I do, too. But the current projections there are that Houston would finish 15 and three in the Big 12, four games ahead of Kansas in the standings. I do not think Houston will go 15 and three in the Big 12. And I'm the guy who thinks Houston, you know, back from the preseason, would be the last undefeated team in the country. But I don't think they're going to go 15 and three in an 18 game Big 12 schedule. And I also don't think they're going to finish four games ahead of Kansas. I can't imagine anybody doing that to Kansas. Yeah, the number, number 219, that's where Houston's at on the non conference schedule. Kansas is number 60. I think that makes a difference. Yeah. Uh, let's, uh, so Arizona, like I said, 11 and three overall, three and three in its past six, but they got those four quad one wins. Yeah. All indications are that is the class of the Pac 12. And, you know, like I sort of wrote in the top 25 and one this morning, there aren't many like supposed challengers to Arizona in the Pac 12, but Colorado is supposed to be one of them. And they just blasted them uh, late Thursday. That's the latest uh, bit of evidence that suggests uh, Tommy Lloyd's program is probably about to run through the Pac-12 pretty good and win yet another conference championship. Let's move on to some less exciting news, terrible news out of Providence. Bryce Hopkins, Fires All-American candidate, um, is done for the season. It's a torn ACL that was suffered on Wednesday night. We'll spend a few minutes on that next, but first, a word from our partners. 
Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So terrible news out of Providence. Bryce Hopkins, the Friars All-American candidate, best player, done for the season. Torn ACL. Um, I'm sure you've seen the video by now, David. Did you know when you saw it the first time that that it was going to be bad the moment you saw it? Yeah, it was pretty obvious. Yeah, just a total total bummer for the, uh, for the old Friars there, who were off to a really good start under first-year coach Kim English. Yeah, I mean, it's just so deflating. This is a team that started unranked but had earned a number next to its name, had opened biggest biggest play with a, um, you know, like things were going well. Obviously, Kim inherited a good situation, but the truth is that's almost like not even a thing anymore because the good situation you inherit could fall apart a week after you accepting the job. But he was able to keep – important players in that program uh bryce hopkins being obviously the biggest and to just watch on a random wednesday night he's out in transition he's just running up and down the court the way um the way basketball players run up and down the court and next thing you know he's on the court and the first real bad side i thought not that i've never heard somebody scream and it not be a big deal but he screamed he was it looked bad. I said this on TV the other night. It looked bad and it sounded bad. You know, when players, I've always noticed this, when they tear their ACLs in basketball games or wherever, they don't often show like pain. Like they, they don't often scream the way he screamed. I tore my ACL in high school. I screamed. I thought my leg was broken. That's what it felt like to me. So I, I, I've always been like, God, am I, uh, am I not as tough as I thought I was? Because I don't like I see these basketball players tear their ACL and they don't scream like I screamed. But I was hurting. I was screaming. But Bryce Hopkins screamed that way. And uh, yeah, I, I think we all knew on Wednesday night that the news we were going to get on Thursday after uh, the imaging was done was not going to be uh, ideal. And that makes and for people who maybe don't have a number on it, Bryce Hopkins. He's averaging 15.5 points, 8.6 rebounds and 33.5 minutes per game. Started his college career at Kentucky. Barely played. Transferred to Providence. Was terrific last season under Ed Cooley. Had been terrific this season under Kim English. And now he is done for the season. That's two two top 25 teams that have lost their best players for different reasons in the past nine days. Illinois with Terrence Shannon. Providence with Bryce Hopkins. So that's not ideal for either of those programs. And then, oh, of course, he's not Memphis's best player, but he is one of Memphis's good players. Caleb Mills had to leave uh, the Tigers' victory at Tulsa on Thursday night after trying to drive baseline. And then it looked like he slipped, but Penny Hardaway said after the game he didn't slip. His leg just gave out. Uh, it's similar to the way 
it, it, it sounded at Providence the other night. People didn't seem real optimistic that they were going to hear good news with Caleb Mills. But uh, as always, we'll see. On Bill, as you could tell last night, the reaction from his teammates told you everything you needed to know about what had happened to him. But I want to go back to something, Gary. What were you doing when you when you tore your ACL in high school? I was turning a double play. I was a second baseman. Um, my shortstop. Oh, it was his fault, huh? I mean, it really was. I mean, and it's actually hilarious. My, so we're, we're playing in a tournament at the University of Memphis. The University of Memphis coaching staff is there watching. My like shorts. Rock or was he there yet? Or who was it? It was, I think, before Sean Rock. Who was before Sean Rock? I don't know. Jeff somebody. The Jeff somebody pops into my head. But um, so the coaching staff was there, not looking at me. I don't want to overstate it. I was five foot six and 130 pounds. Nobody was looking at me. But um, I hung in there on a double play, classic double play ball to my shortstop. He got it to me late. I still should have got off the bag. But he got it to me late. I tried to turn it. You know, I was trying to make a play that I probably should. It's the classic thing coaches tell players all the time. Don't try to do things you can't do. I tried to make a play. I got the ball late, tried to make a play that I shouldn't be making. And I got taken out at second base. Torn ACL. Well, I hope I hope your the bench is cleared and that your teammates came to your defense. No, my center fielder ran up to me and he said, uh, GP, uh, d- uh, d- uh, rub some dirt on it. Rub some dirt on it, buddy. I just have a 100% tear of my ACL in my left knee. You ready for this? Here's the kicker to the story. My shortstop that got the ball to me late went on to play at the University of Memphis and was the national defensive player of the year, like his sophomore season. But I suffered a torn ACL because he got the ball to me late. But he went on to be the national defensive player of the year. Yeah. He's probably like an HVAC technician now and you're a national college basketball writer. So. No, he's doing well. I actually saw him uh, uh, or got a message from him over 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 the summer. Um, we still live in the same area, so I'll see him, uh, I'll see him every once in a while. So, uh, yeah, that's my ACL story. It didn't happen on national television, but, buddy, it hurt. I'll tell you that. It hurt like hell. So Providence is now uh, – it doesn't get easier. At Creighton on Saturday – and then St. John's on Wednesday. So this could be a bad stretch for Providence. You're rolling along, number next to your name, everything's good. Then you lose your best player. You lose a game that you were favored to win. And the next two, you might be underdogs in. They could go from everything's cool to a three-game losing streak, just like that. Yeah, no, I mean, I wrote the news story on Hopkins' injury for CBS Sports after Providence announced that he would be out for the season. And the two players who you most quickly identify as being in line for more minutes are both freshmen. And that's a little concerning uh, to be navigating the big East now relying perhaps even more so uh, on freshmen, especially in this day and time. Uh, They do still have some offensive firepower though. And that Bryce Hopkins was not actually their, uh, their leading scorer. So uh, yeah, I mean, it's just going to put more pressure on Devin Carter and Josh Oduro if they're going to maintain that trajectory. Cause if the season had ended today, you would have had Providence in the NCAA tournament. And now I think that becomes much more of an uphill battle without your junior, former top 50 prospect who is versatile and does a lot for you. Yeah. Um, I'm not ruling it out that they can still get to the NCAA tournament. They do have enough good players, and I respect Kimmy enough to, to give him a chance. But it'll, it just, just goes without saying. It'll be more difficult than it otherwise would have been now that you're going to have to try to do it from this point forward without Bryce Hopkins, who was a Big East player of the year candidate 
All-American candidate and clearly Providence's best player. You ready for the final four and one presented by FanDuel Sportsbook? Make every moment more. I got four games picked out. Cobb will have the fifth. We'll do that next. But first, one more word from our partners. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets. It's time for the Final Four and One, presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. I'll have you know that me and Norlander both went three and two last week. So now I'm 23, 16 and one on the season. He's 22, 17 and one. That means I have a one game lead, a one game lead that is often described as insurmountable. Game one, Friday, 8.30 p.m. Eastern, number nine, Illinois at number one, Purdue. Inside Zach Eady Arena, you can watch it on FS1. FanDuel has it, Purdue, minus 10 and a half. Yeah, so a real quick point of clarification on this. Uh, do my contributions count to Matt's tally? Is that his choice? How does this work? I, th- I think you just get to keep your own contribution. Do you, you, own, you, own, you own your own? That's great, but yeah. we said this a couple years ago when I filled in on a couple of Fridays, and I think y'all even went so far as to rope me into your, your, your competition, and I'm still waiting on some concert tickets as a result of my performance. God, everybody's always wanting stuff. Yeah, I want to go to Eras in Hamburg, Germany next summer. Okay, we could probably make that happen. We could probably make that happen. I know how to get to Germany. Yeah. I know so how I'll to get there. Check my mail. I know where Germany is. Yeah, yeah, just um yeah, just uh, check your email. Check your email. Yeah, I think these are just going to be your own picks. You're going to get so like if you have a great week, you just you'll just you'll you won't have as much quantity. You won't have as many you're, you're going to be a little bit like a uh, Gonzaga. You're not going to have as many quality wins as like a good Big 12 school or a good ACC school or a good Big Ten school, but um, you could do well within, you know, on a limited base. You only get so many quad one opportunities. You could do well within them and, and still hold up all right. I'm like a walk on. You're in. a little. You're a little bit like a walk on. I get, I get five shots up all season. Yeah. Maybe maybe I go three for five, shoot sixty percent. That's right. We could look at the season box score. We'd be like, man, David Kahn shot sixty percent that year. We won't know that it was only on five attempts or ten attempts or whatever. The details don't matter. We're just looking at can can you go sixty percent on the year? Hey, today, hey, if you're going to do it, it starts right now. Purdue minus ten and a half. Yeah, I would actually take. Against this spread, 10.5 is a big number. Um, I would go Illinois against this number, even without Terrence Shannon, even on the road. Uh, they only played once last year, and it was a five-point game. Uh, so I think a lot of the, the players here are, are the same. Uh, I think Illinois is actually better than it was last year. We'll, we'll figure out if that remains true uh, without Terrence Shannon. 
yeah, this is just a, a, a double-digit spread between two good Big Ten teams. I think I think Illinois covers the number. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I Listen, Purdue could pull them out. Purdue's capable of blowing anybody out, uh, especially a team that, like Providence, is now missing its its best player. But Illinois did just blast Northwestern uh, without Terrence Shannon. So I think this is still a, a good basketball team. Not as good as the basketball team that it, it, it could have been, I don't think, but still good enough to stay within 10 of Purdue on the road. Obviously, um, for people who don't follow the sport too closely but might be listening we should put the details on it uh terrence shannon is no longer with illinois because he is suspended because he was charged with uh rape in kansas he has maintained his innocence but the kansas um but the illinois athletic department has a policy that more or less triggered the suspension when he was formally charged uh with with rape so he is away from the program um not participating in any team activities and um, it, it, you know, we'll see where it goes from here. But I think it's reasonable to suggest it, it seems unlikely that he'll rejoin the Illini uh, this season or or ever. So Illinois, like, you know, you, you, they, they lost not just their best player, but one of the best players in the country. I think if we were voting middle of last week for midseason All-Americans, Terrence Shannon would have been on my ballot as a as a first team uh, All-American. No, it's a downer because think about it. The matchup between Terrence Shannon and Zach Eady could have low been like a, a battle for Big Ten Player of the Year. Sure. Uh, a matchup between National Player of the Year candidates with Eady being far and away the favorite still. But Terrence Shannon being right there as somebody who's among the most productive players in the sport. Right. Um, somebody pointed this out on Twitter last night. I don't have it in front of me, so I, I won't be able to provide proper credit. But you know who you are. You know who you are, and I'm not passing it off as my own. Somebody pointed this out. I just thought it was interesting. The last two teams that Illinois has beaten are the last two teams that have beaten Purdue. Illinois' last two wins are over Fairleigh Dickinson and Northwestern, and those are the last two teams that have beaten Purdue, Fairleigh Dickinson in the 2023 NCAA tournament and Northwestern last night. Yeah, no, in theory, it it makes sense because – I think Coleman Hawkins at the five can pull Edie away from the basket. If he can hit some threes, then it opens up driving lanes for, for uh, the rest of Illinois, and you know, maybe it works out. All right, so Cobb, Illinois, plus the 10.5. GP, Illinois, plus the 10.5. Game two, Saturday, 12.30 p.m. Eastern. Number six, Kentucky at Florida inside the Torian Green Center. You can watch it on ESPN. Ken Palm has that one, Kentucky minus one. We barely talked about Florida at all this season just completely off of the national radar you paid attention to the gators at all i mean a little bit uh in compiling my notes here i've i've I noted that they have not lost since november the 29th granted they've hardly played anybody since then uh a really really good shot blocking and rebounding team because they have some serious height uh the schedule has been light though uh to this point so yeah, the gators are interesting they're among like 10 teams that i legitimately feel like have a chance to get a double buy in the sec tournament and finish among that top four i mean you, you just go down the list pretty much everybody outside of south carolina and and georgia heck even south carolina only has one loss so i mean there's only a couple of teams in the sec at this point that i know for sure are bad and there are a whole lot including florida who very well may still be be good and we're about to find out yeah florida is uh 
so I just sort of recognize we have we barely touched on Florida at all. Like not after a win, not after a loss. And the reason is obvious when you like dig into it. They're 10 and 3, 48th in the net. So just like borderline tournament team type thing. Zero losses outside of quadrant one, zero wins inside of quadrant one. So they've done nothing great and they've done nothing terrible. They just have sort of existed, but this is obviously an opportunity for them to jump on the national radar. UK. 10 and 2, 3 and 1 in the first two quadrants. They do have the quadrant 3 loss to Wilmington. Man, I get a, a, a tweet from a Kentucky fan. It feels like every day. Want to know why I have Kentucky ranked, I believe, 10th when the AP poll has the Wildcats a little higher than that. And nobody ever mentions, like, they did lose at home to Wilmington. Like, that is something that have. I agree with you. Kentucky looks great. Kentucky doesn't look like that team that lost at home to Wilmington. You were shorthanded in the game. I got all of it, but it is something that happened, and it it does uh it does need to 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 be considered. Kentucky minus one on the road. I'm going to take Florida at home at the Oak at, at, at what I remember to be the O Dome. Yeah, yeah, the old Chandler Parsons old stomping grounds. Hey, I'm kind of disappointed you're taking Florida because I am as well. I thought I was going to be original here. The the part of the rationale is the fact that. Uh, Kentucky's only true road game so far was at Louisville. And let's be real. What was the, the composition of that crowd at right. the young, <laughs> it was probably more blue than, than, than red for that game. Uh, and then, you know, they, I think they played Penn in Philly, but I don't think that qualifies as a true road environment. This will be a, a true road environment. And you got a lot of freshmen who will be experiencing that for the first time. So I, I like the Gators to win straight up. Yeah, I think, yeah, I would take Florida straight up as, as well. It's just asking not a, a roster entirely filled with young guys, but a roster largely filled with young guys to go win what will be an environment unlike any – to go win in an environment unlike anything they've seen so far, not just this season, but in their basketball careers. I mean, these freshmen are going to walk in and see something they've never seen before. doesn't mean they can't win, but I would lean towards Florida there. Game three, Saturday, 2 p.m. Eastern. TCU at number two, Kansas, inside TJ Gasnola Fieldhouse. You can watch it on CBS. It's America's most watched network. It's a network of stars. Kim Pom has a Kansas minus seven. Easy. I mean, give me, I'd take Kansas minus 12 and a half. I mean, what what has what, what TCU done at this point? I mean, they're only top 100. Ken Palm games that they played were against uh, Clemson and Nevada, and they lost both. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would I would take Kansas against the spread in a heartbeat. How about this? TCU is one of only two teams in the top fifty of the net that has zero wins in the first two quadrants. They've beaten nobody. Trivia time. Who's the other team in the top fifty of the net, but has zero wins in quadrant one and zero wins in quadrant two? Somebody There's in only the- two teams. TCU is one of them. Who's the other? Hey, this is this is a good trivia time. No, I I genuinely uh, is it somebody in the Mountain West? It's somebody in the Big Twelve. Oh, well, in that case, uh, Cincinnati. It is Cincinnati. That's right. Number thirty-seven in the net. Zero wins in quadrant one. Zero wins in quadrant two. Nice record, but hadn't done anything. I'll, I'll take Kansas. Well, we can't we can't be the same on everything. Give me give me give me the horn fog horn frogs plus the seven. I'm just trying to stay side mountain, side side mountain. Maybe maybe Kansas gets off to one of those slow starts, and then they got a rally to win, but they can't cover the number. I'll take TCU plus the seven, but Kansas to win the game. Game four, 
Saturday, 6 p.m. Eastern, number 22 Ole Miss at number 5 Tennessee inside Dame Bradshaw Arena. You can watch it on the SEC Network. Dame Bradshaw might be on the game. Kim Palm has it. Tennessee minus 14. Hey, Jared Burson, Andy Tulin, any of the great researchers out there, answer this one for me. Has a team ever been undefeated in college basketball in January and been a 14-point underdog in a game? I bet it's rare. Got to be. It's amazing. Uh, I think the Cinderella ride obviously comes to an end here. But 14, uh, I am curious, like, when the actual lines drop at FanDuel, right? Like, is it going to be that big of a number? Because uh, if it were nine and a half, I think I'd go Tennessee. But 14 is too much for me because I, I think Ole Miss doesn't quite get enough credit for the fact that uh, they have been bolstered by the addition of their two-time transfers. Because Brandon Murray, who averaged double figures at LSU and Georgetown, is just now getting up to speed since the ruling came down. Musa Cisse, who only got eligible a few weeks into the season, you know, he's now in the mix as well, making Ole Miss one of the best shot blocking teams in the country. They're shooting the three ball as well as anybody in the country. So I think Ole Miss actually has a chance to, to sow some chaos here. Like when we did our dribble handoff question a week or two ago about if they would make the NCAA tournament, I said yes. Uh, now, I don't think they're going to be a, uh, competing for the SEC title, but I think they're going to be maybe more competitive than the. Uh, the advanced metrics suggest. So I will take Ole Miss uh, to cover a 14-point spread. Yeah, um, I would take Ole Miss plus the 14 as well. Like, just because Chris Beard's the coach, I'll give him a fighting chance anywhere. He's terrific. But Ole Miss, you mentioned it, the computers hate Ole Miss, hate them. Like, Ole Miss started 82nd at Ken Palm, is now 13-0, and still sitting at 82nd at Ken Palm. They've won 13 straight games, and it has not mattered um, to the computer. So they are winning, but they are not performing well, if that makes sense, at least in the ways that some of these algorithms uh, judge such things. So I think Ole Miss drops from the list of unbeatens on Saturday. I think uh, Houston remains unbeaten. And James Madison remains unbeaten, but Ole Miss drops to that list. We'll be left with only two. Uh, but I do think the Rebels can stay. I think they can make it competitive, even on the road against a team that the computers actually love. It's similar to the way I get asked a lot about why I have Kentucky lower than the AP poll. I get asked why I have Tennessee, I believe, in the top four of the top 25 and one. Because people get really caught up on the fact that Tennessee has three losses. I just don't care about number of losses or number of wins uh, without context. Like, I don't get caught up on they have three losses, so they can't possibly be ranked in the top five. Um, the, 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 the three losses are all to teams ranked in the top 15 at Kenpom. They have two wins over top 15 Kenpom teams. Do you know there are only two teams in the country that um, that has – multiple wins over top 15 Kimpom teams and zero losses outside of the top 15 in Kimpom. There's only two teams. Tennessee is one of them. The other one is Kansas. So I don't like the resume is still strong despite three losses. The computer numbers are obviously strong. I, I don't know if Tennessee is really one of the four best teams in the country, but I know that 
it's not it's not nearly as crazy as some people seem to think yeah. to have Tennessee uh, in the top five. No man, I do the power rankings now, and I have a hard time moving Tennessee into the top ten because I have some concern about whether or not this Dalton necked phenomenon is going to withstand the rigors of SEC play. When you come from Northern Colorado and in the Big Sky, uh, I think it's just going to be difficult to sustain the shooting percentages and the offensive production over the course of the season. And if that becomes the case for for Tennessee and for Dalton Connect, then Tennessee is just back to being what Tennessee has always been under Rick Barnes, which is a high floor, low ceiling, uh, top quadrant of the SEC, but struggling to win games in March. So I, I just I, I get your rationale behind behind Tennessee. I just I have a hard time believing that this Tennessee team is any different than previous iterations of, of Tennessee. That's fair. Um, you know, at some point, people want to see you not only do it, but do it in March. We've spent a lot of time, like the, the people who everybody who covers college basketball, spent a lot of time um, talking about how badly Purdue needs to have NCAA tournament success. Like it's awesome that they are ranked number one in the country again. Started. 2023 rank number one ended 2023 rank number one five days into 2024 still rank number one about to win another big 10 title probably by multiple games probably about to have a back-to-back national player of the year all of that stuff is terrific but it won't matter much if they get bounced in the second round of the NCAA tournament we've all we all agree on that and have discussed it extensively about purdue you know who else is in that conversation? You touched on Tennessee. Like Rick, Rick really like, – there are people right now who – I promise you more people feel like you than me, which is they're obviously good, high floor, but – and they're physical and they're tough and they guard and, and, and now they got a real playmaker in Dalton Connect. That might have been like the, the missing piece because when Zakai Ziegler went down last season, scoring got really hard for Tennessee. Well, Don Connect fix, fixes a lot of that. He he can really go get buckets. So I think there are people out there that go, okay, maybe maybe this is team's different, and maybe Connect is a difference maker. But I'll still believe it when I see it. I'm not going to trust them until they show me they can do it. Purdue has that t- connected to it as it pertains to postseason success, and I think – I think Tennessee quite clearly, and maybe it's not Tennessee as much as it's specifically Rick Barnes, but it is some combination of Tennessee and Rick Barnes also have that thing connected to them. They can win the SEC, but if they don't make it to the Sweet 16, people are going to clown them again. Nope. Yeah, yeah you, you nailed it. Uh, they, they have a chance. Like they, the, the Dalton Connect edition gives them a, a fighting chance, but I just have my doubts about whether or not that's sustainable over the course of a season when he becomes the focal point of every opposing scouting report. And, and how, do, how do they handle that? Is he able to continue to get looks? Uh, that's, that's a big question for me. So uh, in this situation, I can't go Tennessee. I just don't trust them enough offensively to pick them to win a game against an undefeated opponent by 15 points. That's right. So we'll both take Ole Miss plus the, 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 the 14. And now we're at the end one. This is the game you get to pick. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so we're going to go to uh, Clemson, South Carolina and – Terrence Oglesby Arena, uh, number eight, North Carolina at number 16, Clemson. Uh, it's at noon. It's on ESPN2. And the Ken Palm line is Clemson minus one. Quick trivia time for you, GP. Uh, major context hint here as to the timing of my question. 
but can you name the two leading scorers in the ACC as of today? RJ Davis, PJ Hall. Yeah, that's right. In I'm that order. Guessing. Yeah. In that order. So okay. a matchup of the ACC's uh, two leading scorers here uh, and two ranked teams, um, two of the strongest teams in the ACC. So, uh, and it's a close line. So this, this one seemed like a no brainer for me for the fifth pick. No, it's, it's uh, it was on the list of games to consider. I'm going to look at this a little bit. Like I look at Kentucky and Florida. I think Kentucky is better than Florida, but I think Florida is good. And I think home court advantage will be the difference there. I think similarly, North Carolina is better than Clemson. I think North Carolina is legitimately good. I think home court will be the difference here. I'll take Clemson. Minus the one. Okay. All right. For, for uh, you know, I've, I've kind of been on the fence about it, but I'll go to North Carolina just to, to, to shake things up. The rationale for that would be uh, Miami just played, or uh, Clemson just played a similar type of team in Miami and got shellacked. Uh, up-tempo, good offensive team, similar to North Carolina in some respects. So uh, I think maybe it's just a bad matchup for Clemson. So so we'll go with the heels here. And I don't know if you've ever been to, to Little John Coliseum, but it's uh, – when Clemson is good and the opponent is good, it is great. I don't know the exact size of it, but I just remember it. You know, Baylor's new arena got some attention this week as being you know small enough to be uh, intimate, but still big enough to feel like a big time college basketball um, experience. I just remember Little John feeling that way as well. Like this isn't massive, but buddy, it feels like big time college basketball. I bet that place will be on fire this weekend. That's what I'm saying. I have Little John coming in there in there and perform at halftime. <laughs> you know what? I'm not against that. They should. Not, he should. I don't know why that hadn't happened yet. I don't know why that hadn't happened yet. So I'll take Clemson. Over North Carolina. So I got two blue bloods, Carolina and Kentucky, both losing outright in the final four and one. Could be a wild weekend. Could be a wild weekend. It will be a wild weekend. Oh, I hope so. I hope so. And I also hope I start feeling better. Can you tell I'm sick? Yeah, I thought you were um, crying there for a second when you were talking about Tennessee and Ole Miss because, like, I guess something got caught in your throat, but it really it sounded like you were getting emotional. I, I do get emotional sometimes talking about the Vols and the Rebels, you know. I yep. grew up, you know, I was born in Tennessee but raised in Mississippi. Sometimes when I talk about the Vols and the Rebels, I get, I get very um, emotional. Or I'm just sick because I, I, I fly too much and, and don't sleep well and don't take vitamins right now like it's going around like like i went to a a busy restaurant the other night and uh and i've had a sore throat ever since and i'm just like i was around too many people man too many people well that's the thing like my mother is sick <coughs> now i'm gonna just die my mother's sick my little guy's sick both my little guys are home from school um i've tested negative for covid so i'm gonna get on my plane but i apologize to anybody who has to sit next to me today I didn't. I didn't want to feel this way. This ain't the way I wanted to feel. I just need to get into a um, a hotel room and lay down with a nice cup of tea, warm tea, and perhaps some Dayquil or Nyquil, or maybe a you know I mix them together like Lil Wayne might, and uh, maybe th- maybe that'll be the key to feeling better. Maybe this is where I turn my season around. I mean, it's big that you you decided to show up today and, and have your flu game because with with Matt Norlander out, I mean. What what would we have done, right? Would we have gone double walk on on this show, like like a Cobb Boone special? I don't think. Ooh, 
it could have been a cop. No, like there was a moment yesterday. I didn't get home till 10 o'clock last night. Now I'm leaving again here in about two hours. Um, there was a moment last night where I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Like I'm, I really don't feel well. And I was, I'm, I still have a cough, but I was coughing very badly last night as I got home. And I was like, I don't think I can do this. Like I, I like I just, I, my body is shutting down. And uh, then I was like, but Norlanders, he's out skiing. I need to be there. So here I am. And here I am. Guy who stood in there on second base and took that hit, took that hard slide, and tried to turn the double play. You're, you're not somebody who who just who just folds when times get tough. You see, there's a pattern to my life. There's a pattern to my life. It, 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 is it is it smarter for me to get off the bag, get the shirt, get the one out, and just move on? Sure. But I'll hang in there. And, and you know what? You getting that out helped your shortstop impress those scouts. Because the shortstop did his part, and he was able to go on and play Division One baseball because of the sacrifice that you made. And look at me. Now I just sit in a, a space formerly known as an attic and talk about Little John Coliseum. Proud of you, man. Proud of myself. Thank you. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Huck. Larnell, thank you guys once again for listening and watching the Ion College Basketball Podcast. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple and Spotify. There's more of us than there are of them. That should be reflected in the comments. So please do that. And me and Norlander, assuming he doesn't, you know, take a fall on the slopes. You know, I've seen people take falls on slopes before. I've read those stories. So as long as he doesn't take falls on the slopes, he should be back with us again on Sunday. David Cobb, thank you for being here. I appreciate it, buddy. And, um, hey, hey, I wish you luck on all your picks. You you could have low quantity, but a great winning percentage. I'll be looking for those uh, Taylor Swift tickets. Yeah, they're on their way. They're on the way. Taylor Swift in New Orleans. They're on the way. Talk to you guys Sunday. Till then, take care.